you know, the people that I end up doing work for are those who are passionate about what they do and that are kind of offering services to these niche markets. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is episode 245 and I'm super excited to have my friend Jordan Wong on with me today. So Jordan and I, we met, he's a great illustrator, great designer. We met at Creative South. He was doing his own kind of thing. I'm kind of painting the picture because I'm going to ask you a little bit about like your process. But one of the things that I just fell in love with was he was so open with what kind of... um, happened where he was just doing you know we think okay i've got this thing i'm doing this my stuff i'm trying to sell my wares doing my and then you know it's just hard it's hard to get traction unless you just have a bazillion followers right so you really kind of um adjusted or pivoted that's why we're calling this episode pivot (laughs) um and you are you are so good at pivoting and i think you're going to give people a lot of great ideas about how they can pivot on a regular basis because I think you're so good at it. Give us a little bit of your background. Sure. So I graduated from a small little university in Pennsylvania. So I studied graphic design there and I also got my degree in marketing. So in 2013, when I graduated, I was actually feeling pretty good about you know, life after college, hopefully getting a job. I was feeling good about my portfolio and my skill sets. At that time, I had already been in AIGA Pittsburgh for about a year and a half. So I was starting to get to know people in the industry and in the community. But I actually could not find a job for two years. While I was sending out applications and doing interviews, I realized that if I can't find a job, I need to do something. I need to like create one. Uh, so this led to a lot of my own client projects, um, a lot of art markets, art shows. I was a like sign painter for this grocery store chain. Um, I also taught digital illustration at this local arts organization. And I also worked at the Andy Warhol Museum as a gallery attendant. I pretty much just did anything I could to make sure that I was continuing to create and be active in the community and in the scene, essentially. And then in 2015, I actually got hired by GoMedia here in Cleveland. I was really, really excited. And I knew that this was kind of like the start of, of everything, especially with moving to a new city. And it, it wasn't like you were just sending out applications just in Pittsburgh, right? I was kind of more focused in Pittsburgh, but I also was sending out applications to like Columbus, Cleveland. I was open to relocating, but I definitely wanted to stay in Pittsburgh. Yeah. So you get the job and you move to Cleveland, but you're not super shy. No, no, definitely and not. Actually, you make friends easy. You're super nice. So within the first week of moving to, to Cleveland, I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit the ground running. I'm going to check out like all the art galleries. I'm going to, you know, become part of AIGA Cleveland. That first weekend in Cleveland actually leads to a lot of other relationships and opportunities that I've had down the road. All right. So then you work at Go Media. So then when did you transition to kind of going out on your own? Eight months after, you know, I was working with Go Media, um, they unfortunately had to let me go. And so here I am in this new city, not really even a year in, and I have to make another decision of like, okay, what am I going to do now? Am I going to move back to Pittsburgh? Am I going to try and stay in Cleveland? You know, do I want to work for another design firm? Should I send out applications or should I start working for myself? It was about like a week, (laughs) a week of just talking to a lot of 
friends and professionals that I trust. A lot of sitting there <laughs> looking at the wall and thinking, what am I going to do? And I decided to actually start working on my own business because what I realized was that from the experience of working at Comedia and also doing WMC Fest, and I realized that you know, I was pretty good at making relationships. That's where that's when I first met Dustin Lee, Retro Supply, and that led to a project. That experience uh, from WMC Fest and just meeting everyone in the industry and really forming connections, having those connections turn into long-lasting relationships, I decided that, you know what, maybe I should start working for myself. I realized that I preferred to work with people as opposed to uh, for them. And there was uh, some other factors with me starting my own business and working independently. At that time, I was 25. So I was like, you know, maybe this is the time to do it. You know, not married, I don't have a mortgage. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have kids or anything like that. It was just one of those things that's like, you don't have any of these responsibilities. You only really have to do is just feed yourself and make sure that you don't end up homeless, which is also a pretty daunting thing, <laughs> I suppose as well. But at least I knew that if I failed, that it, it wouldn't affect someone else. And again, I, I just want to repeat saying that like, even if you are in those situations, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't you know, consider working for yourself. That was the biggest thing is that I felt it was really right in my gut. This is the But time you also go. didn't fail. You also just kept, you did whatever it took. And I think, so it's just the pressure. It's just a, the personal pressure that you put on yourself is a little bit more if you have other mouths to feed, right? Absolutely. I guess it's just a, it's a mindset game, right? No matter where you are in life, you just, we're going to make it work. And it just, it makes you feel a little bit easier that you were 25 and you didn't have these other mouths and a mortgage and all these other commitments. Yes. All right. So you go out and you are kind of doing your own thing, selling your own things. And then that you made the shift to doing a lot of illustration, but then you start kind of partnering up with some places. And you also, you talked to me about it in, at WMC Fest this year. And it was like, you just lit up. And it was like you had this kind of epiphany of that you were really going to start listening. Not that you weren't listening before, but you just heard things in a different way that clients needed. Before I kind of get to that point, because that didn't happen until like maybe, I want to say halfway through 2017 mm -hmm. that I started making that shift. Um, but to kind of give like the full story of how did I end up working on my own? How did I end up? finding clients and whatnot, um, I have to go back to within that first week of like, okay, you are now starting your own business. You are now starting to work for yourself. It's my friend, uh, Deanna. She helped me uh, make the decision to start working for myself, but she was actually working for another company um, at that time as a contractor. So she had work lined up for me right whenever, you know, I was about to start started on my own. So it wasn't like I really hit the ground running with like, okay, I like have no clients. There were at least, that was, there was at least that kind of cushion. You'll, you'll see throughout my story that relationships are absolutely huge. And all of my opportunities kind of string together from who I've met and who they know. And, but so I had a little bit of work uh, to start and I quickly realized that, oh my God, I like need a separate space to go to, to work. Um, cafes are great. I still work out of cafes, but 
to actually have like another space that isn't your apartment that you can go in and it's mm. yours is really, really helpful whenever you are your own boss because it is too easy to take a nap, to watch Netflix, to, you know, have a snack, you know, whenever you're working out of your apartment. And the people that do work out of like a separate studio, you know, in their home or even out of their apartment, man, kudos to them. This kind of led to um, the opportunity of getting my first studio. So at that time, there was um, a venue, it was called Canopy. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of like this multi-purpose space. Uh, In the the front, it was like a store that featured artworks um, from local artists, as well as artists that were all the way on the West Coast. Um, A really, really great selection. We're talking um, screen prints, original paintings, you know, um, digital prints, jewelry, vintage furniture, vintage clothing. I know that's like a lot of different things, but the uh, woman who owned the business, her name was Erica, she just had a fantastic eye. And actually it was in the back where they have their gallery, um, as well as like um, a big kind of open space to do all sorts of different events like poetry or little small theater productions. That's where I first started Tango. Again, all the, all these stories kind of fluctuate as far as the timeline. Sure. Um, so my two friends who moved from New York City, actually at the same time that I moved to Cleveland, started teaching tango out of Canopy. So after going there for a while uh, for tango class, I then started talking to Erica and you know gave her one of my cards. She looked at my work. And then that turned into the opportunity of me just showcasing some like prints in, in the storefront. From that, we then started discussing the studio spaces in the back. And at that point, I still wasn't comfortable with paying money for a studio just because I, was, I didn't have any clients per se. I only had the work that Deanna um, had ready for me. So I wasn't really ready for... Another expense. For another expense, right? Right. But after talking with Erica, we decided to um, enter in an arrangement. The way you say it is like sketchy (laughs) arrangement, but but it's about um, partnering. It's doing kind of these non-traditional, which is a which is one of the things I think you're known. So instead of paying, you know, um, a monthly rental fee, I would then instead exchange design services for the space. So I did a lot of Canopy's um, posters for their artists that came on through. And that's actually how I paid for my studio space, which was fantastic because again, at this point, I really needed it because I wasn't getting anything done. In my and apartment. also you were making relationships with these people who are coming through the space. So now you're solving their issue by having been their designer, but then you're also making more and more and more relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Aside from the work that I was doing with Deanna, Erica actually introduced me to my very first client. um, And his name is Chris. So Chris is a, is a lawyer, but on the weekends he does this (laughs) phenomenal. um, uh, It's just funny. Like you're okay. You have this arrangement with Erica and now Chris (laughs) is a lawyer, but on the weekends he's a, he's a, uh, he's a DJ. He, and he does this radio show that plays kind of like these, um, eclectic jazz pieces you know these hidden gems 
Hmm. And he wanted to promote his show a little bit more. Hmm. And that, that became kind of like, I guess, my official first branding project uh, here in Cleveland. It's funny because so, these people are so much like you because they have this like eclectic, all these side things because you dance tango, but then you also do a lot of stuff with museums. I mean, you kind of have this really rich and you, it's like you're a magnet for these people. I get the question of like, you know, who do you, who do you end up doing work for? Like, is it small business? Is it mm. you know, corporate clients? And I ended up telling them that, you know, the people that I end up doing work for are those who are passionate about what they do and that are kind of offering services to these niche markets. When did you get to the place where me and you talked about it in August? When were you kind of like the epiphany happened when you were helping clients in a different way? That epiphany, I think, happened. It was at the start of 2017. Basically, I wasn't happy with the amount that I was charging. Okay. I was like, I was looking at my expenses and I was looking at like how much I was charging for my projects and, you know, the frequency of that. And I was like, you know what, something's got to change. I think it's important to consciously say, hmm. you know, say that to really take a minute, look at where you're at and say like, okay, am I happy with this? Am I not happy? What can I improve? Blah, blah, blah. Is there something that I need to to learn. And that at that moment, I was like, I need to do things better. <laughs> I need to definitely do things better. Right. Um, I was like, well, what's one of the ways that I can kind of change things? Well, I can learn, you know, I can figure out and have conversations with others that have been in this profession for a while and kind of pick their brains. Um, so that led to a lot of conversations. Um, with OK Pants, Aaron Seacrest here in mm -hmm. Cleveland. I asked Jason for some um, for some introductions to illustrators that he knows and got some insight about, you know, different paths you can take when it comes to illustration. And the last thing was I started watching a lot of videos and lectures. And the one notable channel is uh, The Future, run by Chris Doe. Right. right. He is extremely insightful. Um, Amen. I mean, to kind of illustrate how actionable his advice is, I literally applied tips that or perspectives that he had in one video in a client meeting. And, it, and that was the first time I actually started like charging, you know, like in the a thousands range for yeah. illustration before I never did that before I didn't even. Because why? Why? Because I think this is really hits home with a lot of people. Was it confidence or was it that you just needed permission because that's what you, you needed to know what other people were charging? What was it? Why weren't you charging enough? I think confidence definitely plays a role in it, but I think more so is that I, at that point, like logically couldn't explain why mm. it was justifiable to charge in that range. And there was a video, it's a recording of him like doing this like lecture and he's talking about charging for logo design. Right? I've seen it. I'll link it up. The I'll link it up in the, in the show notes. That video seriously like changed my whole practice and changed the way that I thought of pricing and changed how I started talking with my clients. And it, it was because of that video, which led to me watching a bunch of other videos, that it gave me a logical approach 
to charging what I charge now and what I can, you know, charge in the future. He's really a big advocate of value, value-based um, pricing. And that's, that seriously changed everything for me. As well as his advice on just how you talk to clients and, and really he uses, he uses the concept pivoting actually as well when it comes to like pushback and when it comes to negotiating like quotes and things like that. So he's really phenomenal. You, you do this, you start making these changes. You're able to charge more. Talk a little bit about these relationships and you're going outside of the, des the design industry um, by having the deal with Erica, right? It's, it's kind of, it's still in creative industry, but then you started, how did you start dancing tango? I first met my friends who teach me. Uh, their names are uh, Alberto and Michaela of the Cleveland Tango School. Um, I actually did their logo, I think, which you posted in one of the promos. So I met Michaela at an art event that was hosted by the art organization that I'm actually now partnered with and have my studio at. So they do this event every year. It's called the Monster Drawing Rally. Monster indicative of the, the size of it, not necessarily of the subjects, you know, mm -hmm. that people are drawing. Um, and they, it's a fundraiser for their event where they invite like 100 plus artists to come and create a drawing or a piece of artwork within an hour. So their venue is just packed with all these tables and all of these artists working in real time and people are just walking around and seeing their, their process. So once the artist finishes uh, a piece, it goes up for auction and then, you know, the money then goes uh, back to uh, spaces and they're a nonprofit. So it kind of makes sense that they would have these kind of um, fundraisers. And actually I'm going to have my, my screen shared because I'm going to, because this correlates to like the monster drawing rally. Okay. So this is a postcard illustration I did um, for this year's event. Um, so again, it's kind of like this weird full circle thing that when I first moved to Cleveland, I attended the event as one of the artists. And now three years later, being their design partner, I get to create the promotion, you know, for the event. That's awesome. Um, so, going, so going back to the story of how I started dancing, I met Michaela at that event. We exchanged uh, business cards. And then about a month later, she asked if I would help them out with gender balance and uh, offered a free month of tango. So you were helping them out because they had more women than men, right? Yes. yes so then yes. you just get to learn. Did you have to pay or were, was this part of like this uh, deal? Uh, arrangement I'm going to use with air quotes. <laughs> so when I first started that first month was free just because I was helping them out with uh, gender balance and then afterwards I was paying for classes for about two or three months and then uh, we were sitting down one day having coffee then came up the conversation of exchanging you know logo design and branding and identity work for them in exchange for attending their classes for free as well as like all of their events from that point on and i still do some work uh for them like you know little promotions every now and then as well as this big event that they do every year so when so, you're doing these trades do you feel like you have a little bit more creative freedom in these kind of relationships i think when it comes to doing an exchange so yeah like trading 
design services for whatever service they're providing. It really is like a client project, you know, where you're getting compensated monetarily because really you're providing them value and they're providing you value. Mm -hmm. So you can't really skimp out. on Right. But sometimes it's like branding, your branding might be, let's just say $1,500. Okay. And that would be how many, you know, like that's three years worth of, or four months, or I don't know how much tango lessons are, but do you know what I mean? Like then you're just always in the black with them. You know, are you ever going to get caught up? It's because I, I do some trades with some clients as well. We do part money, part trade, because I would never get paid. You know, like I would always be in the black. Right. I think that there's, when it comes to compensation, there are things that lie outside of just money, right? Mm. For example, promotion. Promotion is huge. Mm. So maybe um, if you're working with a client and they, the value of their services don't necessarily quite meet the value of services you're providing, mm-hmm. maybe a way to close that gap is to say like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take on the project, but I'm going to, I'm going to put my logo on all the designs. I want mm. to be listed as a design partner. And then you can get into some negotiations, like any VIP events that you do, I get free admission to and, and things like that. Thinking creatively of like, okay, how can this be worth my time? Right. Promotion is is always huge. Marketing is always huge. You know, having access to, you know, another audience is always beneficial. So that's kind of a way that you can negotiate or close that gap when it comes to money. So then at the Tango, right? So you're now they're your friends, right? A lot of times clients become your friends. Yeah. yeah. But then you're also in this group with a lot of other people who are also tangoing and then you're doing the promotion. So they're seeing your work when they might not always run in the same circles. So now you have access to other people who might need your services. I don't know how you met the lawyer, dude. Um, yeah. The way that I met Chris was through Erica actually. Okay. Erica's a good connector then. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing I love is that you just kind of stepped outside. You didn't stop doing things. You, you made arrangements in air quotes again with people and then that, but it wasn't people that were all part of the same group that you were already a part of. It allowed you to expand your friend base, right? And connections. And now you had these people that you might not have ever met had you not been in tango class with them. Do you know how many clients you've gotten as a result of these people? I would say from being in tango, I've gotten three major clients. So my friends who who teach here in Cleveland, I consider, you know, them my first client. Right. Um, and then by being, or by doing work with them, you know, having a relationship with them, they provided me an introduction to another event organizer who actually, it, he hosts an annual marathon. It's called the Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon. Oh, show them that, show them that poster. Yeah. The Cleveland Tango Bowling Marathon. Just a small little plug. All the textures um, in this poster were created using Retro Supply. Woohoo! Um, Go Dustin. Yeah. So Dustin, he, he does a fantastic job when it comes to providing those types of products. Cool. And it's retrosupply.com or retrosupply.co. Mm-hmm. They both get you there. So sure. one of the other things that you you and I have talked about is seeking validation. And sometimes, and especially um, with me doing illustration where I'm becoming an illustrator, so it's about seeking validation and 
being okay with just seeking it from me if it, if I liked it than always having to seek validation outside. And you and I have talked about um, sometimes people who work, they're the only design person or the only person on the marketing team of the company that they work for, or there's just a lot of times we hear that kind of, um, they talk bad about their, them, they think less of themselves because they work in-house or and there's absolutely nothing to think less of. They're doing a huge amount of work usually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go into that a little bit, what um, you and I were talking sure. about. Yeah, sure. So, because this really correlates to what I was thinking when I first graduated. It was really preached to us, like, all right, when you graduate, you need to find a job with a design firm or maybe in-house. But it really focused on this idea of, you know, working for an agency, learning as much as you can from an agency, which I don't, I mean, that's a, that's definitely a great idea for sure. I don't, I'm not knocking that approach at all, but I don't think that's the only approach. Right. Um, and you can see, I mean, at least from what I remember being a student, there's kind of like a, an obsession with, with that idea of like, oh, who am I going to work for? as mm -hmm. opposed to like, what is the work that I'm going to do, right? Mm -hmm. People tend to kind of cling on to uh, the name, the big time names um, of their employers. But everybody can't work at a place like that. You all have to have different starts. And, and you know, maybe not everyone should work right. for places like that. Right. But I think whenever you're a student and you're really impressionable, and you think that's the only way to do things, that's when it becomes kind of, I don't know, <laughs> um, misleading, I, mm. I would say. Because um, I remember even during those two years of not being able to find a job and going to happy hours, I would overhear conversations of like, oh, where do you work? And, you know, the person would either answer extremely confidently, like, oh, I work at, you know, such and such. And everyone around would be like, oh, wow, like he must be really good versus someone who maybe works in-house at a non-design related company. And then they would kind of sheepish, sheepishly say like where they work and everyone's like, oh, that's cool. Um, and you can see that there was like a little bit of insecurity there. The pride so, wasn't there. So it was like, yeah, yeah. but you are working in design. There should be just as much pride because you really have no idea. I mean, it could be a better job working at a corporation than working at an agency. Your hours might be better. The pay might be better. There could, Absolutely. there's sometimes more creative freedom, sometimes not, but it's a lot of times it's a, it can be no matter where you work. It's always just the, it's a, it's a stone. It's a, a place you're stepping because you have to learn something and that job has to teach you something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think when it comes to being a creative and a lot of the time students are kind of taught like, oh, you need to, again, go work for someone and learn as much as you can. Well, there's a lot of other avenues that teach, you know, the same lessons, if not bigger lessons. Mm -hmm. Working for yourself, man. <laughs> The things that you learn, you'll just never, you know, be exposed to when working for, mm. you know, an employer or being part of the team. Um, so Doc has a question or a statement. Do you think that sometime, some of that um, maybe the reflection, the value, reflecting the value of the company is how the company makes you feel? Or do you really feel like they like their job, they're just 
they think as a designer compared to the designer who works in an agency, it's not as sexy of a job. Yeah, I think that that happens that, a lot of the times. Right, um, I, I, I think so too. So then I think what Doc says, maybe some of the in-house people or, you know, they're doing something else. The reason they don't have that confidence or the, the value is because maybe the company doesn't value them. And so they don't feel good about, they don't feel valued from that company. So then they are, that value is kind of reflected back on them because I don't know. So yeah, yeah. Doc says they don't feel valued by the company. And this is just in my opinion. Um, there might be other factors, but I think the two main sources of someone being discouraged working in in-houses is one from what they're exposed to about our industry, right? We're really always celebrating and kind of, um, mm. you know, almost worshiping like those who are independent and work for themselves and are doing this extremely creative work. You know, that's always what articles are written about. So there's kind of like that influence as well as, yeah, actually what happens at the workplace, you know, maybe their managers or, you know, the higher ups kind of don't understand their position um, and therefore don't value it as much. Maybe, there's some disconnect with them explaining their ideas creatively and like how it can actually help the business. Right. That's so I really think, yeah, I think it's both of those, like those are kind of like the two sources um, of why someone working in in-house would uh, feel discouraged. Um, luckily, I think things are changing. Mm -hmm. And um, I know actually here in, in uh, Cleveland, AIGA uh, does an in-house conference mm -hmm. um, where they bring in you know, like people that work in in-house and that are you know kind of just as well known as you know the people that work independently I think it's it's great to kind of start having these conversations that you know you can be a designer working in-house and your work can be just as sexy you know right right well and I also think Amy's talking about it, uh, Doc's talking about it, David's talking about it, Hansel's talking about it, and Mara said something beautiful. She said, uh, perhaps the key to all design is always to remember that humans need to be kind to other humans. But I think, and I totally agree with that, but I think exactly what you were saying, Jordan, it's, it's really about if you're a designer that only does design, then there is a gap of what can you offer to the company. You're just, a, just solving for clients. What if you're solving and you think of it as a business hey we could offer this why don't we try to offer this or why don't we and you can't maybe always be pushing out because um, you just can't come up with a ton of different ideas all the time but maybe if there's something and there's trust there then they can see that you are able to help their business grow just like we do with our clients maybe that's another way it's kind of learning a little bit more business savvy and business sense and then bringing that to the design table yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Because like employers or, or working in-house, right? The, the exchange is that you provide them with, you know, the value of like that position and helping grow their business or help them meet their goals. And in return, they provide you with, you know, security. Right. 
And that's, that's what huge. A, that's, and that's what a retainer huge. client does for you as well, right? Because you become this partnership. The better they do, the better you do as a freelancer. Absolutely. So Megan has a question. You'll get to meet Megan. She's our AIGA president here in Mobile. She said, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from working for yourself? Because you kind of alluded to it. Like, hey, there's some things that you're not going to learn unless you're the boss. Number one, relationships. So we always tell people like, oh yeah, you have to network. N don't network. Don't, don't network at all. S go out there and make connections. Go out there and make genuine relationships. Because the moment that you start going out there with the intention of networking and the intention of, oh, I need to do this so I can get ahead, people will smell it a mile away. And they won't <laughs> want to, they won't want to work with you. They will not want to work with you, you know. Um, but how do you do that? Because you you have a really good way of doing this, Jordan. Mm -hmm. So it's about being friends. It's not just about calling them when you need something, all right? And them calling you only when it's about having a consistent relationship. Maybe it's that you reach out to them once a month, or maybe you know when their big thing is and you you reach out to them in August or whenever it is they have a big thing coming in October. So it's really about knowing who they are as a company and right? So what are some of the things you've done to build those kind of relationships? Because they're longer term. I'm genuinely interested in what's going on in in those people's lives. The people that I work with are the people that I want to get coffee with. Mm. You know, I want to sit down and talk about everything with them. You know, what's going, what they're excited about in their business, what they're excited about in their hobbies and their day-to-day -day life. You know, did they see that one movie? You know, really just get to know them as uh, another human being. Mm. And you want to see them succeed, Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Be, be invested in their success just for that reason alone. Um, huh. And it, it comes back, you know, they'll be invested in your success. I love that. Yeah. So relationships are absolutely huge. Um, we have to cover the automatic drawings because I've just been in this season of doing so many illustration exercises. This is an exercise that you did to loosen up. Can you, and I had never heard of this Jordan before you. So can you kind of tell them what an automatic drawing is, show it to them and then show how you have used that in multiple client projects. And it's one of your styles. Sure. Automatic drawing essentially is doodling. <laughs> Like, honestly, um, it's drawing from your subconscious. It's letting your hand make these split second visual decisions. You're not really trying to, to pick something. You're not, not trying to render something. Um, it's non-objective and it's very freeing. Um, the focus is really on the mark making and just kind of, you know, letting it come out. Um, it's very therapeutic. And There's it, not really a, a goal in mind, right? It, you're just doing it. You're not trying yeah. to draw something. So the one of the very first automatic drawings I've ever done, and you can see like there's a lot of scribbles and, you know, sometimes I go back in and, and make things a little bit bolder. Um, but yeah, it's, there's really nothing that I'm drawing per se. It's just kind of letting my hand go. Over time, my automatic drawing started to become a little bit tighter um, and kind of started diving into this realm of being 
half conscious and half subconscious. When I started getting into this kind of style of automatic drawing, and it's, again, it's kind of debatable if it's truly automatic because sometimes I end up making a little bit more conscious decisions. But again, I'm not really illustrating something. Like I'm not depicting something. Um, but you can see that there is kind of like a balance and there are lines that are echoing others. Mm -hmm. And that um, kind of ends up being sense of melody and harmony uh, throughout the piece, especially with like shapes versus lines versus, you know, things that are linear, things that are, you know, more circular or kind of have organic curves. Mm -hmm. So that transitioned into some client work. So Ingenuity Fest is an art and like technology event here in Cleveland, happens every year. Pretty it's pretty popular. This is where I kind of start combining like that technique of drawing from the subconscious or kind of like drawing a little bit more freely and combining it with something that's a little bit more recognizable like this hand. And something that had a prompt, right? So you were kind of like mind mapping in a way all the things that go into maybe metamorphosis, right? Because there's a, there's a lot of elements, this growth or fire or wood, and then there's the... Um, robot hand and the butterfly and all these things um so karina has a question and jeremy loves this he says this is insanely detailed and doc says this is gorgeous okay so karina has a question how did it end up sure. translating to client work did they see it on social media or somewhere or did you pitch using that style because you've actually used this in a couple of design pieces yeah um, so really how this kind of transitioned into client work was first that it started showcasing or coming up in my own personal artwork. Um, so here's like some shots of like a mural that I did that you utilizes this style. I started again featuring this style in like art pieces. This series is called five and each piece is based off of one of the Chinese elements. Mm. So this one right here is, is metal. You can see in the background, this is water. Um, here's kind of like a, all three. So fire, water, and then wood. Mm. And it was actually this series that led to a lot of client work. So they see it, you know, actually out in the world. I had some of those clients actually come to the opening. And then that led to, you know, like the Ingenuity Fest poster. Um, what about the t-shirt? Because it kind of has some of those same elements. So this illustration actually is also part of another art series that I did um, called Harmony and Hoopla. Um, and this was kind of just more personally for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to start use, utilizing the automatic drawing style into subjects that I really enjoy, like <laughs> robot heads. and um, So I also use this, this style personally for me. And just to be fully transparent, I'm actually nervous about this style because one, I'm concerned that I'll be pigeonholed by it. Um, and two, I'm also kind of concerned about, you know, if I do this style for someone and then I do it again for someone else, if it kind of dilutes the value of, of something kind of uniquely visual. So I'm trying to always push it, especially getting into the five series where I'm thinking about the quality of the line work, you know, like fires is, is gonna be a little bit more 
jagged and energetic where, mm-hmm. you know, the water is kind of more rounded and, and flowing. Oh, versus metal, which is going to be, you know, definitely more angular and playing with um, straight edges. So Brian had a question. Is that drawn directly in Illustrator or what's your process? So usually I start off with a sketch. Um, on paper. On paper. But that's actually now has switched to the iPad Pro. Because you uh, just got one recently. Because I just, I just got one. And actually the Monster Drawing Rally uh, piece was done a lot on the iPad. But yeah, before I would draw all of my images, you know, or all of the illustrations first on paper as a sketch, and then I would go back into Illustrator and, you know, really clean up the line work. And I, I actually, I'm kind of obsessive about it. Sometimes it ends up being a little bit different from the original sketch. Talk about, talk about the ice cream, and then maybe next time we'll just have to have you back so that you can talk about the t-shirt because um, you had a show that was t- maybe you have enough time to really quickly tell us about that but if you don't mind talk about how you because I think this was another pivot how you made a partnership with a, a ice cream place so I met the guys over at Jack Prince at WMC Fest 6 and from that that led to a, a collaboration or a partnership where I illustrated this ice cream guy and they actually used it for stickers to kind of like show off their, their sticker products. And in return, I got 200 of them for my personal use. So instead of using them like, you know, like selling them or handing, handing them out for free, I decided to approach a local ice, ice cream um, shop and do kind of like this like free sticker day event. So this is, um, kind of like what we had. So Mason's Creamery, they're like a little local shop. Um, they do, their ice cream is really good. But they were absolutely interested in doing this event. One, because it was low impact. They seriously didn't have to do anything, you know, too much. Maybe share a lot of the stuff through social media. And two, it didn't cost them anything. And it didn't even cost me anything because the stickers were already provided through the um, exchange that I had with Jack Prince. So again, and it's this idea of like, okay, I have like this illustration. Okay, now I have like something physical from it. And now I can use that to promote not only my business, but someone else's business. And I'm actually in talks with them about doing like another um, joint promotion. Awesome. And I love that because it is that partnership. It is, it started something and maybe now plays out in a new way that or even some of the people that were that came um, and got the sticker now they're able to kind of see what you were able to do and I don't know if you tracked that or if you could track that or whatever but if you got any new clients off of that but at least you spread the love and it didn't cost it cost Jack Prince the most right it cost you time but um, Mm -hmm. for them they had actually produced it so it was a it was a win-win for everybody yeah absolutely all right, Jordan, we are um, out of time, but I'm so glad you got uh, to share a bunch of ways that you pivoted. And um, so today is our first live drawing for the Love on Designers. So I had told you that we were going to do this today and we're going to do one more next week. We actually get two drawings this week, one from doing our posts on Instagram. So liking something, um, I did these designers on a piece of bread, um, 
uh, Kim did these great like orange and lime, not, well, orange, lemon, lime kind of energized thing. Please go like it, tag two friends and make sure you like Kim Panella and Design Recharge and then you're entered. But so this is the live. So um, I am going to get you to tell me, oh, we had a question. I want you to tell me a number between one and 22. Let's go with 16. Mara, you are our winner. So Mara, I, um, I just need your info. Now you're not getting your box till the end of the month, but um, I am excited that I get to, uh, I know Mara, so I'm glad I get to yay share so there's tons of awesomeness you're gonna get a bunch of pins that both kim and i like um you're gonna get um some cards that kim and i have designed and some other like tools um in there and some stickers so there's um some new stickers some love on designer stickers so anyway mara i'm glad that you are our first winner and if you would make sure you email me i know you have my email address but if you could email me your address so that I can put you in. So thank you. Number 16 was Mara. So guys, you can still win this week if you just tag two friends and like both Kim Panella and Design Recharge on Instagram. All right, so for the rest of everybody, Jordan, you're gonna be coming to Mobile. And yes. um, what else? What in the next near future, while I share your uh, places for people to connect with you, where can people find you? So you can view my work at my website, wongface.com. Uh, I have an online store as well where I sell t-shirts uh, that I've designed and I'm working on kind of growing that and that's wongface.com slash shop. And all and these are coming in the chat too. So they'll be in the below on YouTube and on SoundCloud as well as um, on the website, my website, Recharging You. Okay, and then... The blog, you have a blog? Yep, so I have a blog and I actually kind of update that probably as much as like my Instagram and more so than my website, unfortunately. So yeah, my blog's wongface.tumblr.com and then I'm on Instagram at wongface. So Jordan, thank you. And I can't wait to see you. You're coming here to Mobile if you're in the Mobile area and you want to participate in the Flourish Conference that you can get your tickets and maybe um, Megan can put the, I think it's AIGA mobile or mobile.aiga.org yep mobile.aiga.org and then you can also um so people will will drive in from like six hours away jordan so i know you'll have a slew of people so i'm really excited to have you and we're gonna have some barbecue for you i know that was one of your requirements all right well guys um next week remember it is the love on designers best I guess because we'll have everybody who wants to be on on um, and we'll kind of get to know each other a little bit so if you don't want to be on camera then that's totally fine you just don't have to ask to be on camera but I'm absolutely happy to kind of share it and join we do something um, similar we've done something similar before so I'm excited to have everybody kind of be able to see and put a face with a name so it's not just Doc, maybe Doc will come live and you can maybe go to a little part of your office and hopefully won't be um, really uh, creepy or anything. Or you're like, no, Jason Frost Holmes in a cubicle with a whole bunch of other people. So it might be a little bit hard for him, but maybe 
so um, anyway, hopefully everybody will join us next week. And even if not, you can just see who people are. And it might just be me and Kim or it might just be me. Um, but hopefully somebody will join on camera. Um, and if you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me at diane at rechargingyou.com. What helps the show the most is just for you to share it. So if you have a friend who you think um, could benefit from it, and I'm going to start doing some new things. My new friend Chris Doe is really giving me some pointers and some ideas. So I'm going to start doing some more things. I did talk about how to make a sticker this week, a cheap way of doing a dummy or something. So um, there will be a new, another video coming this week and it's more about illustration. So it's just kind of taking you through my journey. So I hope um, that you guys will continue. Let me know how you like it. If there's any comments, things that you want to change or somebody who you want to see live, I'd love, I'd love to know. So Get in touch with me and you can always follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Design Recharge. So anyway, and Mara, you're awesome because you won. You're the winner. And I can't wait to um, share these awesome goodies with you. They Some of them are coming in this week. So um, other things that we got printed. So anyway, I appreciate all the love and encouragement on my little green people. And um, Jordan, I appreciate you always encouraging me. Also, it really means a lot. And that you, I do really feel like you care and you're invested in my growth as a illustrator. So thank you for being a good friend. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. All right, guys, I'm going to sign out and we will see you next week. <laughs>